0: It's uh, so great to be here, and I do want to just reiterate how incredible was Easter. The, you know, like, it was just so amazing. Uh, God's on the move. He's on the move in the Redlands, and um, sometimes we we forget what He's doing, and I just want to commend you. If you came out this morning, you're like, I don't want to wear a mask, and you had this sort of attitude, I just want to just share with you that, you know, God uses even little things like a mask to speak in lives. So, was one of the members of our church, actually works in a restaurant just locally, and uh, Beck and I were here on Friday catching up with um, Beck's uncle and um, he doesn't go to church or anything like that and um, we're just catching up and we're talking about our church and then Beck goes, oh that guy goes to our church, he's wearing a Born for More mask like this and this waiter was saying, he came over and he goes, yeah I wear this all the time, people just ask me constantly, what's that all about? You know, we can use opportunities to share the love of Jesus, you know, it doesn't matter if we've got a mask on or not, God is on the move. And um, I think it's really, it really comes down to what even what Andrew's saying. If you've got breath in your lungs, bring him praise. Bring him praise. Hey, um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to unpack this idea of what the kingdom of God is like. Because if you were with us over the Easter weekend, you would have... Um, heard the story of Jesus coming in on Passover Sunday on a donkey, declared that he is the King of the Jews. And even when he got crucified, they crucified him and put King of the Jews above his name. And um, if you haven't, haven't heard those messages that were preached over the last few weeks, can I encourage you to go and have a listen to them? We have the podcast up on our website. Uh, so if anything goes over your head today, I just want you to understand it's all there. We've been on a bit of a journey and we are continuing on that um, today. When it comes to the kingdom of God, it's such an interesting conversation because I think sometimes we forget what Jesus' mission was when He came to earth. And um, I know for myself, um, I had never really seen it in such bright lights like this week. Have you ever had a moment where you thought that you were doing something really unique? Like for instance, I bought a car a few years ago, a Subaru Forester, and I was like, I'm the man. No one has Subaru Foresters. And as soon as you get it, all of a sudden, everyone has Subaru Foresters. You know, in that moment, your eyes are open to something that was always there. But now your eyes are focused on it. You can see it. And this is actually what happens through the Gospels. If you, um, and I encourage you to go home, open your Bible. I'm going to challenge you to do that every week uh, because we need to read the Word of God. When we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first point accounts of Jesus' life, you constantly see this t- uh, talk of the kingdom. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God being near. In fact, John the Baptist, um, who was uh, out in the desert, you know the story of John the Baptist, he's out in the desert. By the way, um, John the Baptist was the final of the prophets to come before the Messiah arrived. Um, As I said, this has been over a couple of months we've been talking about there were all these old prophets like Joel, Amos, Jonah, Zechariah, all of these old prophets for hundreds and thousands of years we're bringing a message to the Jewish people saying, hey, there's a Messiah coming, and there's a Messiah coming, and there's a Messiah coming. And then they have no one declaring this for 400 odd years. The prophets go quiet. And for 400 years, there's no one out there declaring that the Messiah is coming. And then all of a sudden, this guy, John the Baptist, rocks up and starts declaring it again. It's really fascinating. He's actually the final of all the prophets to do this. He's saying, make way, clear the path, the kingdom of God is near. He's out in the desert. He's an odd-looking dude. He's wearing camel hair, got a belt, eats locusts and wild honey. Um, And he has this this message for the Jewish people. He's saying, repent and get baptized for for your sins so you can be forgiven. It's a really interesting time in history, but he's talking about the kingdom coming. And what's fascinating is that everyone comes out to see John the Baptist in this new teaching. In fact, Jesus himself rocks up. Can you imagine you declaring, the kingdom of God is coming, it is near, and then it arrives? <laughs> like, it's really fascinating stuff. I mean, this guy is out there declaring it, and I mean, there'd been stacks of prophets before him, and Jesus didn't rock up for them. And what we actually see in the Scripture is in, one, in John 1, 29, it actually says that John's out there declaring the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is near. And then all of a sudden it says John sees Jesus and he declares this, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. He's there. I'm talking about the kingdom coming. He's just arrived. Bam. It's a really interesting story. And it, says, it actually says that John declares, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me. He's like, you thought I was good. He ranks ahead of me. Understand this. And he makes this statement because he existed before me. I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he might be revealed. And all of a sudden, here he is. Phenomenal experience. What we've got to understand in this moment, though, we've got to grasp this moment. When Jesus arrived, the declaration of the kingdom is coming. Jesus was actually coming to show us what the kingdom was like. Jesus' whole mission was to give us a glimpse of where he'd come from. Jesus' mission was to bring the kingdom of God to earth. You know, there's constant scriptures to back this up. And as I said, I want you guys, today is just a foundation of this series, okay? So we're going to have to look at what this kingdom is because I think sometimes we forget the importance of the kingdom of God. We know that Jesus keeps pointing us to it. He's like the kingdom of God. You need to seek the kingdom of God. We know this for a fact because even in the the Lord's Prayer, you've ever prayed the Lord's Prayer, it becomes a very religious, traditional prayer. But if you look at it in Matthew 6, verse 9 and on, it says, Our Father in heaven, your name be honoured as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'll read it again. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, what's going on up there, bring it down here. God, may that happen when we bring heaven to earth. May what, how you rule in heaven happen here on earth. God, that is our desire. And he says, pray like that, that we would see a glimpse of the kingdom, that we would understand what we were designed for, how this kingdom was supposed to work. And this is what Jesus' mission was. He wanted us to understand what the kingdom was like. Where he'd come from, what was it like? Have you ever thought for a moment, because we know that Jesus is king and it sounds great in church, but have you ever pictured this? Imagine there are no kings, there are no presidents, there are no prime ministers. There is no queen. There's just Jesus the king. That's it. What does the world look like right now? Have a think about it. Some of you may be pictured like, man, it's love and light peace, bro. It's joy. You know, the hippies in the room are like, bring it back. You know, like some of you might have pictured that, just love and light. I remember picking up a hitchhiker once and he was a hippie, got in my car and he goes, dude, your car is full of love and light. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's just Jesus. He's like, awesome, right? But here's the thing, what does the king look like? What's the kingdom like? Maybe you didn't picture that at all. You just pictured a just king That brought justice on earth. The evil are put away, they are punished for their evil. All of a sudden, those that have been done wrong against, mate, they have been justified because the king brings his wrath. Maybe you pictured that. We need to understand that Jesus was repenting as well. He was he was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of God is coming. For the kingdom of God is near. He was preaching this good news. And it's actually really significant for us, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, we really need to understand what the kingdom looks like. Because if we don't understand what Jesus was trying to bring to earth, we will be swayed by people's opinions, constantly. When it comes to truth, when it comes to moral standings, when it comes to how to treating the poor, how to work His mission, the list goes on and on and on. If we don't know what the kingdom looks like, we have no idea how to act to bring the kingdom to earth. And so we actually need a glimpse, I think it's really important to get a glimpse of what the kingdom looks like, to know what God's plan for us was like. And to do this, we actually have to go back, right back to Genesis 2. We need to go back to the Garden of Eden. And if you've never read the story, the beginning, I'm going to say it again and again and again. Pick up your Bible. I'm telling you, my heart, more than anything, is that we will have a church that loves their Bible, that actually knows what the Word of God says. So when you're at work, and someone throws a bit of a, a, a some at you, and you have no idea, instead of just going, I don't know, you actually go, you know what, I actually know what the Word of God says. So I actually know what the kingdom's like. And so in Genesis 2, what we actually find is that God has made man. He also makes Eve to help man. And in the afternoons, God would come down and He would walk and talk. He'd be in relationship with Adam and Eve. He gave Adam a job to oversee the garden, but it was perfect uncorrupt. There was nothing wrong. It was a beautiful place. Nothing was between God and man. Nothing would separate them. It was unblemished. It was perfect. Now, we know the story, though, that there's a moment where Eve picks the fruit, eats it. The one thing you can't do, Eve, don't eat that fruit. She goes, I'm doing it anyway. She eats the fruit, then she gets Adam to eat the fruit and it says in the Scripture that they, they realized that they were naked, so they hid. And this moment in Genesis 3, verse 8, I just want to start reading this. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, like he always did. Then they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. So the Lord called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? I love it how God's like, where are He knows. <laughs> it's just like, where are you? It's like a kid with their eyes like I'm hiding. They shut their eyes. You can't see me. And it says that Adam said this, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So God goes on to ask Adam how he knew he was naked. And we find out that this is the consequence of the disobedience of eating the fruit. As a result, Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. And from that moment, mankind's struggle begins. From that moment. You've got to understand that Jesus' arrival, His purpose was to restore the most important thing that was lost in the garden. And that's not for you to feel free naked, all right? Some of you are like at home nudists. You're like, bring it on, all right? And if you're one of those people, let me know before I have a pastoral visit. You know, it's like, I can see your eyes go, oh, it's me, you know? It wasn't about climbing trees and getting naked. The most important thing, was to have close relationship with Him. And He wanted to restore it, and Jesus wanted to show us how to be restored to Him. You know, for thousands of years, God was trying to show His people, this is the most important thing. But if there's one thing I know about us as people, we are slow, stubborn, and we want to do what we want to do, because we know best. That's the reality, That's what we do. And we talked about this story not that long ago, the moment where the people are so over just having a relationship with God, they say, give us rules, just tell us what to do and that's easier. So God gives them the Ten Commandments. And I must admit, when I think of the Ten Commandments growing up, I used to always think of it like the fun police. Like, you know, God's just given us rules, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that. And you kind of have this picture of an angry God that went, don't do this. But actually, God gave these rules to the people out of love. The heart behind it was, if you don't know which way to go, you are going to be entangled and hurt and broken. It's going to end up getting messy. So he gave the Ten Commandments to them. And the people started to obey them. Right up until Jesus, this was their example of what the law would look like. This is what they tried to stick to. This mosaic law, they call it. You know, and for some of us, we don't even think of these laws because we know Jesus. We've been in church for a long time and we go, well, didn't Jesus bring a new covenant? Isn't the old one over now? And isn't that pointless? Why do we have to bother about these old rules? We have a new agreement with God, right? Didn't he do all of this? And the truth is the answer, yes, he did change the way we get to God. But the old stuff matters. The old stuff matters. We have a new access point to God through Jesus, but the old stuff matters. And today, I truly want us to understand, as a church, that those Ten Commandments are still the heartbeat of heaven. They are the foundation of what the kingdom looks like. They came directly from God. When God said, you've just got to give us something, He went, these are the things that are closest to my heart. These are the things that are most important. So I'm just going to give you ten. But they matter. Over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack what the kingdom of God looks like. I just really want us to understand the fact, you know, Jesus prayed it. He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wanted us to see this in our lifetime. If you've actually never read the Ten Commandments, you can find it in Exodus 20, uh, verse 2 to 17. I'm going to go through them really quickly because sometimes we don't talk about it anymore. So, I'm going to show you when God goes, when the people go, what's most important? He drops these 10 and this is what it says. It says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Remember, they were slaves in Egypt. They got set free. Incredible story. And he said, I've set you free. I'm taking you to the promised land. He said, Okay, here's the rules. Don't have any other gods beside me. I'm it. Don't dabble with your elite. like. Don't dabble with bits and pieces. I'll take a bit from here. But from... this is it. I am it. He says, this, Don't make an idol for yourself. He says, Don't carve anything, make anything, and start worshiping it, bowing down to it. Don't do it. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misname, uh, misuses His name. Don't use God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. He says, labor for six years, do your work, but on the seventh, have a rest. In the next couple of weeks, we might unpack that a bit more, because Jesus taught about this Sabbath. He said, it's not for... The Sabbath wasn't for God, it was for you. I actually did this because I love you, Right? And we learn that through Jesus' teaching later on. It says, "Honor your father and your mother." Interesting that that's on the top ten. Honor your mother and father, and it actually says so that you may have a long life in the land of the Lord your God that He's giving you. In other words, this matters to God how we treat our parents. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Don't lie. Tell the truth. Don't covet your neighbor's house or all the things he has. Don't get jealous of what everyone else has. These are important to God. You know, Jesus coming to earth wasn't to erase these things and start something completely new. Jesus coming to earth was to bring clarity on those ten. For us to truly understand what God's heart was so we can see and get a glimpse of what the kingdom of God would look like if we outwork these things. If should we live like this? In fact, in Matthew 5:17, 20, this is where I want to get to today and um just have a quick look at this and you need to get this because sometimes in church when people go what's god about what's jesus all about love he just loves he just loves he just loves but if you love someone you can love in a way that you find reason to justify other actions i love that person so much i lied to them i was doing it out of love so unless you understand the foundation love can mean anything and so we've got to understand that jesus didn't come to just erase it, but to fulfill it. He actually says this in verse 17. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. This is what he's talking about. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches the commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Hectic. Anyone else go, oh, gee, I just failed? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what? Like, if you read this, sometimes you can read this and go, oh, my gosh. I remember reading this. I I must admit, in my teen years, I read this and I was thinking, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord, you you won't enter the kingdom. And I actually wrote myself off. I thought, man, there's no point me following God. Jesus, there's no way I can do this. But you've got to understand this scripture in its context. That's why it's important to understand the word of God and not just read a passage and go, you know. The context of this is the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at that time had completely lost their way. That's why John the Baptist was saying, repent. Repentance means you're doing religious duty, turn around and start following God again, yeah. right? And so what they were doing at this time, when John sees the religious people come out into the desert, he actually yells at them, you brood of vipers. <laughs> He's really down the line. Oh, I just picture of this camel-haired dude, you brood of vipers, And he said, show me the fruit of your religion. In other words, he's like, you think that you are righteous. You think you're well with God, but I don't see any fruit. I don't see any proof that you follow God. And you've got to understand that these leaders and teachers, because it's been like hundreds of years, they've started building their own system, building their own system up. And all of a sudden... They've actually got to a place, the people believe that they were righteous because of where they came from. Because of the lineage of their bloodline. So, oh, my mum, my dad was, you know, they were in this tribe and their tribe and their tribe, their tribe. That's why I am okay with God. Kind of reminds me a little bit of, I was born Catholic. Or, I'm an Anglican. I'm uniting. It means nothing unless you choose to follow Jesus. And this is what is going on. So Jesus is like, you've got to be more righteous than them. And he highlights what righteousness is. He unpacks the kingdom of God. He's like, you can't get into the kingdom of God because of your righteous duties, your religious duties. Coming to church and being a good person will not get you into the kingdom. Because Jesus not only was declaring the kingdom was coming, he was actually putting an invite out to us to come into the kingdom. And he's like, you will never get there by your religious duty. You will not do it. So what's the point of the law then? What's the point of all of these rules then? In Romans 3.20, Paul says this, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Though through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Did you catch that? I'll say it again. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. In other words, you try to keep the Ten Commandments, that's not going to get you there. It's like through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The The top ten keep on bringing us back to seeing where we've gone wrong. It brings a conviction in our spirit to get back on track. But doing those things is not our righteousness. You know... Jesus was so set on saying, you know what, it's really important for you to understand the law is important and to repent and turn around. He also wanted to highlight that these 10 commandments in the law were so incredibly important to us today, still today. In fact, directly after he mentions, I'm here to fulfill it, in Matthew 20, he launches into the issue of murder. Such an interesting thing. I mean, like, he literally is like, okay, let's talk about murder. One of the top ten. Let's talk about it. Now, I don't know about you, but if, like, someone says don't murder, I'm like, I'm okay with that. I haven't killed anyone lately. Right, you know? And you think to yourself, why does someone have to teach that anyway? Isn't it just human nature to not kill each other? Like, you know, some people like, the top ten, you could have come up with something that's a bit more deep than that. Don't kill people. (laughs) Don't kill people. But you've got to also think about the fact that our human nature doesn't think that way. The first sin outside of the Garden of Eden, Cain kills his brother. Why? Because he thought it was okay. Because now he's around all the animals, the apex animals are killing other animals, survival of the fittest at the top. So if we're just an animal, why can't we kill each other? We're different. But God needed to highlight that to us. Don't kill. And I think it's quite interesting that we sometimes forget that God put these in place to keep us safe, but also to give us a great life. Because he's like, don't murder. But I actually want to pick up here, not just about murder, because if you have been murdering people, maybe turn yourself in, Um, you know, (laughs) come and see me after, we'll talk about it, I'll call the cops. Okay, great. (laughs) Like, I'm hoping that there's no murderers here. But it's interesting that murder is not what like we picture murder to be. Jesus, as I said, He came to fulfill the law. He came to give us clarity on what God meant by just dropping, do not kill, don't murder. In Matthew 5, 21, it says this. <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking. You have heard it. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors. This is the Ten Commandments, back to Moses. Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to court, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. What a crazy image of murder. Jesus wants to highlight to us that if you just hate your brother or sister, you've committed murder. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you've committed murder. And Jesus wants to point out, he says, you know what? You need to understand, if you don't get on top of this thing, it's going to burn. It's going to bring about so much pain in your life. You need to go and deal with it. You know, when you read the words of Jesus, when you open your Bible and you actually read it, trust me, it'll bring conviction. Jesus' words were really hard to hear. In fact, that's why it got Him crucified. His words got Him crucified because they were so hard to stomach. Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, and the life. You might have heard it said, the truth will set you free. You know, the journey we're going to go on in the next few weeks about what the Kingdom of God looks like, you know, I'm going to tell you today a glimpse of the kingdom. The kingdom looks like forgiveness and restoration. The kingdom, through forgiveness and restoration, we get the key back into Eden. We get our key back to Eden through forgiveness and restoration. You know, forgiveness is such a hard one to stomach sometimes because we can hold on to offence and decide, I have all the right in the world to hold on to this offence. Being a follower of Jesus, you know, because we say, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't care what title you put on yourself, but do you follow Jesus' teaching? A follower of Jesus. When you read this, do you let it sink in? Do you allow God, like through Romans 20, to allow the law to just make you conscious of your sins so you can actually deal with it do you allow that to happen you know he's so honest with you today right at the start of the year when we just started here i was preaching a similar message about family lineage and how we repeat history and sharing about the importance of forgiveness and moving on and i left church completely convicted of my own message because in my own family I'd had a breakdown of relationship for about 15 years and I was hurt by it and I had good reason and I just felt the Holy Spirit say you need to forgive you need to forgive you know Jesus said hey if you're at church if you're at temple you've got a sacrifice but you know there's something going on in the back just leave your gift go figure it out then come back I said it to the eight o'clock, church, until you understand the power of forgiveness, unless you let go of the thing that is killing you, unless you figure this out, maybe don't come back on Sunday next week if you need to go figure it out. Do it first. Jesus is really, really down the line on this. He's like, you need to figure this out. So what happened was my family member, I called her up. And I realized I needed to forgive 15 years of just layer upon layer upon layer of just stuff. I caught her up, I said, hey, we need to catch up. I said, I've, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm holding against you and I know you've got stuff against me. Is it all right for catch up? She's a Christian as well. And I said, you know, we both follow Jesus. We need to figure this out. Because God's heart is restoration. And we decided to go to a neutral place (laughs) to discuss. And um, we found ourselves at a pub. (laughs) We sat down. I talked, and she talked. I listened, then she listened. I yelled, she yelled. People at the pub were like, What is going on? Honestly, it wasn't pretty. And I, you know, I probably should have been like, Oh, don't worry, I'm a pastor, don't we? You know, I just, like, You need to be forgiven as well. Because I was just so hurt, you know. But I let it just come out, and she let it come out as well. And it went for five hours. It was hectic. Like literally they had to shut the restaurant down and go, you're going to sit at the bar because we can't use this there. And I'm like, okay, keep going. But the beautiful thing is that my heart intention was to follow Jesus and see what only He can do. And um, I get emotional because it was a 15 years of hurt. And I can actually stand here today and say it's restored. I can't. And, um, like there's nothing, there's no problem anymore. 15 years. Jesus' teaching will set you free if you're prepared to follow him and do what he asks of us and you. And, um, I, I truly feel like through this experience i've got a glimpse of what heaven looks like and the kingdom of god looks like if as christians we genuinely forgave you know we don't just take our hurt and our pain to another church we don't just go well i was offended they offended me they offended and it just stacks on stacks on stacks on stacks (laughs) jesus is really clear hey just drop whatever you're doing make sure you get this done so I can set you free, and you can get a glimpse of what you were made for. Can I tell you, if that is a glimpse of Eden, I want more of it. It is literally—it's restored our family. It's—it's it's actually really cool, and I'm not saying that out of pride. Like, look at me. I genuinely—it was hard, and um, I had to humble myself as well because I—I was a big part of the problem. It's interesting in Matthew 6:12 when Jesus teaches us to pray. Not only does he say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. He says this. He actually says, pray this and forgive our debts, our sins, our problems, as we also forgive our debtors, those that have sinned against us. It's interesting that Jesus just assumes if you follow him, you've already forgiven. If you follow him, you've already done the forgiving. You're now just praying, forgive us. We've already done our forgiving. We've already been there. That's crazy. That's crazy. I understand that this message is hard to hear and I'm not saying go dredge up your deep dark demons and just get out there because it has to be the Holy Spirit that does the work and in His timing and we have to go I'm not just going like a raging bull as said to do this we're doing this that's not going to help because you're still in a place of pride you have to humble yourself and go God I'm not perfect I need you Jesus Help me forgive like you forgave me on the cross. Help me to love like you loved. I must admit, as I was just going over and over and over the Scripture this week, I started praying for our church, and my prayer is simply this, that our church won't have a heart of murder towards anyone. That our church won't have a heart of murder towards anyone. That we will learn to forgive those that have sinned against us. And we'll offer that forgiveness as well. That we will hear Jesus' voice when he cries out, when he calls out to following him. You know, as I said, the kingdom of God, Jesus came because he said, The world you're living in is broken, and how you're doing your life is not working. He said, so what I want to do is I want to show you what you're created for. And you can, if you want, you can leave this kingdom you're in and enter mine. Understand, though, the king has some ways of doing things, but it will set you free. I was thinking about this after the 8 a.m. I just had the picture of when the lockdown happened in Brisbane, right? Everyone went, oh, I don't want to do this. And everyone, instead of staying home, they they went to the Gold Coast. They picked up their kids. They took off to where someone was free. So they're like, okay, I'm bound here. I want to go somewhere that's free. It's better there. In effect, Jesus is like, yeah, you're in lockdown here. It's killing you. And he's going, do you want to go somewhere that's free? But the air is easy to breathe. And he says this simply. He goes, in John 10, 9, he starts, he goes, I'm the gate. In other words, I'm the door. I'm the way you get into that kingdom. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. In other words, when you come into my kingdom, you will find the peace you've been looking for. Pasture represents rest, peace, restoration. Come through me to find it. Jesus is the door. He is the gate. He's waiting for you just to say, I want to enter into your kingdom. It goes on and says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. There is an enemy that wants you to live with a heart of murder. He wants to destroy you. Then Jesus goes on. He says, I have come so that they, that's you if you want it, may have life and have it to abundance. You will live how you were always designed if you're prepared to enter my kingdom and sit under my kingship. In simple terms, it says that Jesus is the good shepherd. If you follow his voice, you will be saved. You can come and go in peace. Or we have the other choice where we can sit in our problems, in our turmoil, and we can fester. We can allow it to grow and build and bring more murder into our life. Satan wants to kill every good thing in your life. Understand that every good thing, he will do whatever it takes to kill it. You get to choose if you can or doesn't, if you can do it or not, because you get to choose how you respond. You know, this righteousness thing, Jesus said, you've got to do all this hard stuff, you know, like it seemed really crazy, unless you fulfill the law. I've got some good news. If you're thinking, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. It says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. If you weren't here over the Easter weekend, the great story is Jesus not only came to show us the kingdom, He said, I'm going to be your access to the kingdom by dying on a cross, a Roman cross. My blood will be shed. Three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead, and He did. And when he rose from the dead, he said, I've overcome sin and death. I'm alive now to give you freedom and access to the kingdom if you want it. Come through me. That's the story. I want to challenge this church to strive to follow Jesus' teaching because it'll bring freedom like you've never had. Let's just bow our heads. In this moment... I really feel like this message it brings challenge and for some of you you know that you need to forgive but you don't know how you don't know how but you desperately want to be free you desperately want to know what God designed you for you want to be in the kingdom where you can find that restful pasture that Jesus talks about I want to pray for you that God will give you wisdom, strength and the Holy Spirit to be your helper this week Jesus our church community is hurting God we've held on for too long to the things that kill us would you set us free Holy Spirit Would you rest upon those that have faith to say, God, I want to follow you, help me? God, would you give words of wisdom to those that decide to reach out to those that they've had a grudge against? Would you guide them, lead them, give them a supernatural ability to have grace on their words? that it might bring life and not death. So that each and every person that steps into this space this week will be set free, free indeed, never to return, to experience what your kingdom is like. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au or alternatively pop into our Redlands location.